0: Welcome to the Bringing Her Hope Podcast. I'm Bethany Bravery, and I am thrilled that you are here. Each week, I invite a girlfriend on the podcast to share not only the story that God is writing for her, but the story that God is redeeming in her life. I cannot wait for you to meet each and every one of these amazing women who I know will inspire you to also live out the story that God is calling you to, and to give you hope that He will be faithful to redeem your story as well. My guest and friend for today is Natalie Schulz. Natalie is a single mom and the outreach and missions director at Life Bible Church in Harrisburg, Oregon. Her heart for reaching the broken began when she was a little girl and went on outreaches with her dad. The hopes and dreams of that little girl were shattered when she began being abused at a young age. It caused her to derail and live a masked life. Throughout her teen and young adult years, she endured addiction, rape, and the loss of a baby. But God had a plan and met Natalie in her brokenness. Welcome to the show, Miss Natalie Schultz. So for those people that don't know you, Natalie, why don't you share a little bit about who you are?
1: I am a single mom of a 13-year-old son named Noah, who is just an amazing boy, but a challenge at times. (laughs) And I am the Outreach and Missions Director at Life Bible Church, where I get to plan our trips overseas and get to show our community
0: love and support and help. It's really an amazing job. So Natalie, um every week, each episode we share, bring her hope, is a story of god 's redemption, and I know that you have an amazing story so l- girls that are listening lean in, grab a notepad, take some notes. um I know this girl is going to bring some wisdom um to us, so why don't you feel like you can just step in and share? Go ahead, Natalie.
1: A little bit about me is. I am adopted and my parents couldn't have children. And so they prayed for me for seven years. And, um, you know, my, the story around my adoption is a, is a long one. We'd be here forever, but it's a, it's a miraculous one. So I grew up in a home where my parents believed in the power of prayer. I was in church all the time and I just grew up in a very warm, loving, Christian household. But at the age of five, I began to be abused by two of my cousins who dropped a seed into my identity and into my heart that I wasn't worthy of being part of the family. I wasn't family, so what they were doing to me was okay. And what it did is it shifted my mindset of who I was, my value, and my purpose, and how I looked at relationships with men. So this, from from the age of 5 to 16, was kind of this dual living with them. I had to be one person to my parents, and at church, and then I was a completely different person behind closed doors when they were around. I decided to go to a Christian college, so I went back to Oklahoma to Oral Roberts, and I began to have my identity reworked and changed, but not to the degree where it allowed me to stop that dual living It was in this time that I really got deeper and darker into partying, my relationships with men being wildly inappropriate. But then during the day, I was being involved in the missions department. I was a resident advisor. I was going to church. All of this was happening in a dual living, which really just shrinks you and brings a lot of depression and anxiety, which drove me further into addiction. It was there that I was introduced to Ritalin and Adderall, eventually cocaine. I became very dependent on it in order to finish my studies, in order to concentrate. And then I was drinking one night, And I came to a friend's apartment where I passed out and woke up and had been raped by three men that I trusted. So it was in that that I didn't understand what was happening to me. I didn't understand why God was abandoning me. And I felt so disconnected from the Lord. I came home back to Oregon and I started attending church again and really tried to get my life back on track. But it was one night that I was introduced to meth because I couldn't find any cocaine and that spun my life completely and I—that that is when my addiction to meth began and my life was never the same. I started not to care about anything or anybody. During that time, I became pregnant with a girl. I was engaged to be married to her father. And there was something inside of me that that said, run, run. And as much as, you know, women have been pressured into marriage when they get pregnant out of wedlock... My parents were really supportive in saying, if God is telling you this isn't it, you can walk away. It's okay. And so I I did. And I broke off that engagement, um, went through the rest of my pregnancy, went in to be induced. And overnight, my baby became stressed. From the time of 2.30 in the morning to 6.30 in the morning, I had nurses coming in because they couldn't find the baby's heartbeat at times, and then they'd find it. Things were just stressing out. At 6.30 in the morning, they took me in for an emergency C-section. At that time, my daughter had lost oxygen for 10 minutes. They were able to revive her, but there wasn't much hope. So we called out every prayer team, everybody we knew all over the world to be praying for my daughter. I had named her Emma. And we were transferred up to OHSU where we sat down with a team of doctors. And I just had this feeling like it's, it's not good. I just, I just knew. And they told me that there was nothing that they could do that she was perfect, that individually all of her organs worked great. She was a perfect child, but that loss of oxygen killed her brain. And so I begged them to allow her to stay on support for a couple of days so that I could process this and have some time with her. I brought in a pastor. We dedicated her to the Lord. I went through all of that. and. I released my child and was able to say goodbye to her. But I didn't grieve her. Um, Right after that, I jumped right back into, I was a cheerleading coach, competitive cheerleading coach at the time. I jumped right back in um, almost the next day into coaching. And I just did what I knew to do is I lived a dual life and I masked the pain. And eventually got back into the world of meth. Because at this point, I didn't understand what I had done to deserve everything that happened to me. And why I had been abandoned by God. And I gave up. I didn't care anymore. And the drugs filled a hole. You know, it didn't satisfy it, but it filled it. I was extremely thirsty, you know, like that story of the woman at the well, and she said, I thirst. I thirsted. I was the woman at the well. During that time, I became pregnant with my son, and I had him but continued to live the life that I lived. When my son was four years old, my birth mother got in contact with me she wanted to meet, and I struggled with that because, number one, I was a, a hot mess at it, and two, I had so much respect for my parents that I didn't want to dishonor them in that way, and so it took me about six months to finally say yes that I would meet her as long as my mother could come along. We met with her and instantly I knew she was also a meth addict. And something pulled us together, even though she was awful to my mom saying that my adoption was illegal. Just spewed all all of this stuff onto me that was devastating. I knew what she was saying wasn't the truth but it hurt me because I knew that it hurt my mom. But there was this pull, you know, this drug pull. And so I started spending more time with her, and we started using together. It was at this moment that I heard so clearly that I returned to the person I was always meant to be, that I was never rescued. I was never meant to. To be good, I was never meant to be called, I was never meant to have an identity in Christ. That this is who I was meant to be, and it was proof through my birth mother. And I believed it. And in believing that, I spiraled the next six months so fast, so hard. I ran for weeks at a time. My promiscuous behavior became wildly out of control. And it came to a point where I was sitting in a hotel room by myself, and I cried out to God, because at this point, you're so thirsty that you know you're dying. And I knew I was dying. And I said, listen, God, if you love me and your word is true, either you will get me help. I'm done my son doesn't deserve this my family doesn't deserve this I don't deserve this I'm done it was at that moment I closed my eyes when I opened my eyes I was at my parents doorstep I don't know how long in between it was I don't know how I got there I don't know how I checked out of the hotel, even though I went back and everything had been taken care of. Literally, I was transported from that hotel to my front door of my parents' house where my son was and where I was currently living because I had lost my apartment and my job due to my addiction. My mom answered the door and I dropped to my knees and said, I need help. And she responded, yes, you do. And welcomed me into the house and proceeded um, with a good family friend to research and look for a place for me to go. I knew I needed something that was going to change my perspective. I knew I needed something that was going to alter my entire mindset and how I lived and how I looked at myself So when I was taken to a 28-day program, I knew it wasn't for me because I had periods of time where I was clean for 28 days. I needed something to radically shake my life. So they kept looking and kept looking for me, and we found a program called Teen Challenge. In between me sleeping (laughs) off having been up for a week and going to the fridge and eating everything in it, they presented the idea of a year-long faith-based program and how I felt about that. And I didn't even think twice. I just said yes. So a week later, I was in Graham, Washington at Teen Challenge. I did not know what I was getting into. I thought in my head, oh, it's going to be like church camp for a year. (laughs) I can handle that. Right? It's um, definitely not that. Um, It was in the first two weeks where they put you on a time where you don't communicate with anybody at home. So there's no phone calls. It's just you've got to get acclimated to not having your drugs and actually not having control of your life at Mm. all. All of the control of your life is removed from your hands, which was the best thing for me. Mm. It was in that time that the Holy Spirit would wake me up in the middle of the night and I would go into the bathroom and I would sob Mm. and sob and sob. And it was in these times where the fog was being cleared and I was actually able to really see, and there were periods of shame, there were periods of guilt, but it was through being able to actually feel, again, that I started connecting. Connecting with um just a mother's heart and yearning and longing for my son um, connecting to wanting to be a daughter again and really connecting with the father for the first time I think honestly in my life see everything before that was a performance everything before that was what I thought everybody wanted me to do Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew the Bible and I knew what to say But I had never really had that encounter that rocked my world with a father. I never really understood his love for me and grace. And it was in those moments that my life and my perspective began to change. And so when my mom drove up to visit me after those two weeks with my son, I told her that I wanted to transfer down to the Eugene Center to be able to have my son with me. We made that happen. I, I did spend my first three months up in Washington clearing my head, learning who I was again, and then I was able to transfer down. And at the Eugene Center, it was the hardest year of my life. You know, we work, take care of my child, go to Bible studies. But it was also there that God started cultivating within me This passion and desire to speak his word and to minister and to be there for other broken women. So when I Graduated teen challenge. I thought for sure I was going into full-time ministry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's obvious, but God had a different plan. Um, I had been a cosmetologist before and I very clearly heard from the Lord that he had a position for me and that I was to go do hair. And I was disappointed to say the least. And, but I, before I even graduated the program, I had a job at a, beautiful salon in Eugene, um, which was a gift from God. It was amazing to step into a salon that was of an upper caliber, coming right out of a year of recovery. It was really a miracle. And I was kind of complaining to God one day, and he asked me when I went back in to anoint my chair. And so I did, and I stood behind it, and he just started to speak to me that this was my ministry, that I was speaking to women all day long, that I was able to shift their atmosphere. Women that came in dark and depressed were leaving my chair encouraged and lighthearted. I mean, even the receptionist would tell me, man, she looked like a totally different woman. I mean, even her face and her demeanor was different leaving your chair, and I realized that was the beginning of my ministry, that it was in that that God was starting to teach me to be faithful, to teach me to be bold, to teach me how to listen and be there for women. God blessed my business tremendously where I was able to build an amazing clientele and go out on my own. I did that, and God just continued to bless it. And then after speaking at a Teen Challenge event in Washington, I spoke on the God-honoring completion because a lot of the men and women want to run. Things get tough, and the first thing they want to do is say, this is unfair, and I got to go. I got to run. And... I just taught them about God honoring completion. Well, God woke me up in the middle of the night and told me that I needed to practice what I preach and that it was time to complete, because I had never finished my bachelor's degree at Oral Roberts University, and that it was time to complete that. And I said, they kicked me out. There's no way they're going to let me back in. And he said, I, the creator of the universe... Your father am telling you to go back. I will make a way. So I applied. They have you write this whole long thing of what you've been doing since you left ORU. And honestly, I just laid it all out from beginning to end. And I got a call the very next day after submitting my application from an admissions officer. And she said to me, Natalie, this has never happened before. I read your story and it moved me so much that I handed it directly to the director of admissions who then called an emergency
0: um, admissions meeting
1: (laughs) where they all looked at my application and sobbed and said, we have to let her finish. So the very next day, I was accepted back into Oral Roberts University when they told me it would probably be months if they could even accept me again. Mm-hmm. So what man said would be impossible, God made possible mm-hmm. in one night. I started school that next Monday. Mm-hmm. A couple months after that, God woke me up again and said, okay, it's time to start putting the vision that I've given you for ministry on the paper. I knew I wanted to be involved in outreach and I have a heart for the world and missions. So I pulled out my laptop and I started typing it. At that time, my church didn't have an outreach or missions department. I finished typing it out. I printed it out and I brought it to our lead pastor and just released it. And I just had this peace that whether whether he, they hired me and created a position for me, which was a long shot, or not, that I was obedient and that God had something for me, whether it was here and now or somewhere else in the future, I just knew that He was taking care of me and that I was being obedient. A couple months later, I got a call to come into the office where they offered me a brand new position to cultivate an outreach and missions program here at Life Bible Church. And even before that, I was really involved in single moms. I became, I just immersed, after I got out of Teen Challenge, I just dove into my church family. I made myself so I was accountable. I served, which I am a big proponent of if you want healing, if you want relationship, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, serve in the church. You will get to know so many different people and God will grow you and stretch you. It's amazing. And so... Now today, um, we're getting ready to go to Ethiopia next month where we will be ministering in the 1040 window and actually in the frontier where people are just hearing the gospel for the first time. I'm going to be able to minister to women who have HIV who are the lowest of the low. We have started a ministry called Loads of Love where we go to the laundromat and we pay for people to do laundry once a month and we just love on them. Our Single Moms Conference is growing larger and larger every year and with every year we're seeing women coming out of that wanting to be discipled, wanting to grow more in their relationship with the Lord. So God has completely brought me from an orphan and a victim into a child of God adopted into his kingdom, walking out his purposes and promises in a strong identity in Christ.
0: Holy moly, girl. If that is not redemption, <laughs> I don't know what is. Okay, I'm going to pull it. It's crazy, right? <laughs> it's, it's so crazy. Oh, man. I, I know that there are tears running down my face. I don't even know why I wore mascara today. Holy moly. Right. Okay, so let's pull out some questions. Forgiveness. right? So yeah. one thing that I've seen with each story of redemption is there has to be a forgiveness piece. And maybe it was your birth Absolutely. mom. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it was those guys. Lots, lots of forgiveness. So we speak a little bit right. to that and what forgiveness, how that played in your story. Oh, it's a
1: huge part. And, um, you know, I actually talk a lot about forgiveness because if, if you hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, it will hit every every part of your life, from your health, your finances, your relationship. It can contaminate all of those. Um, I learned that very early on. I actually forgave my cousins a long time ago. And it was a matter of just seeing myself as God sees me, and then asking for a heart to see the hurt that they're going through and having compassion on them. It's crazy because I was just um in San Diego visiting one of those cousins. My son and I were on vacation there and he lives there and he's gone through a lot of problems and addiction. We were sitting at dinner and God just told me to let him know that I've released him and forgiven him. And I did and he, he just melted. And I can't tell you the healing that brought to both of us for, for me to be able to forgive and release him. God also gave me a perspective with the guys in Oklahoma, because I just, I really feel like, you know, we've heard it all before, broken people, you know, break people, you know, um, hurt people, hurt people, you know, we've heard a, a scenario of that, and God really began to show that to me. I actually started praying for those three men, and I began to pray for them and their daughters, that their daughters would not walk through the same thing I did and that they would protect their daughters and have repentance for what they did to me. Now, I I honestly can't even remember their names. I have no way of knowing where they are in their lives, but I am just trusting and believing that God is redeeming them in the same way that He's redeemed me. In the instance of my daughter, God began to just really show me that she has never been touched by the evil in this world, that she has lived a beautiful life in heaven with other babies that we've lost, and with Jesus, playing with her, loving on her. You know, and I know that she has friends, and she is loved, and she is not surrounded because God just showed me that her life here on earth would have been hell. It would have been awful dealing with her father and his family, and I don't know where she would have been or what would have happened to her, but I believe that God protected us both by taking her to be home with him. And... I came to a point where I was satisfied with that. I was okay with that because I trust God. I trust that, see, I only see a snippet and I see a very flat perspective where he sees this spherical perspective. He sees all and knows all. So he knows things that I can't ever know, may never know. And so I just had to begin to trust and release that bitterness of my prayers not being answered when, in all actuality, they were. So forgiveness has been a major part of my story and a major part of my health, spiritually, physically, mentally.
0: Um, Sure. You mentioned earlier in your story, Natalie, that you felt like you were living actually a lot of a dual life and maybe some ladies are listening right now and I don't know, their hearts kind of racing a little bit as I mentioned it again. But Mm -hmm. when you sought out forgiveness, did you see Mm -hmm. walls come down? Did you kind of feel with having the transparency of who you really were? um, Did that give you any freedom?
1: Absolutely it is amazing when I was able to actually repent and confess everything. I mean, there was a point where my mom was like, I can't hear anymore. (laughs) Like, um, but when I just began to release all of the darkness and shine a light on it, it no longer had a hold on me. And there is freedom in that, you know, it's, it's like, that stagnant dark water, you know, that doesn't move, yeah. it becomes diseased and it stinks and it has bugs and it's awful. But when it begins to move, there becomes this like filtration through rocks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, it, there's always these bumpy roads in it, but as the water begins to move, the dirt, the grime, the stink begins to be filtered out of it, and the water becomes clean. And I believe that when we realize and surrender and say, this is who I am, and then God can breathe life into that dead part and say, no, it's not. This is who you are. There is a freedom that I just can't describe. See, the enemy is going to lie to you. And he's going to tell you that everybody's going to be against you, that everybody's going to judge you, that, you know, your life is going to be over, but that is a lie. And you know what? There may be some people that might, but let me tell you, the people that God place in your life once you do that are going to be people that love you and respect you and that are going to help you get through this
0: one thing that you had mentioned and this is something that i kind of have to keep in check all the time even even now for me and maybe i'm question, i'm asking you so we can be performance based society can be performance mm-hmm. based so how have as you mentioned earlier you know you could you could show up to life whether you were really showing up or not kind of living that dual life how mm-hmm. have you been able to kind of Still show up to your life now, but completely redeemed, um, but not based out of you know a wrong motive. How, what does that look right. like for you?
1: Well, let me tell you, I I still struggle in performance, not necessarily like I did before, but trying to prove myself um, and, that I'm good enough, that I'm so it's it's still a constant battle for me. But I would say that remaining humble, remaining in the Word, Proverbs has done a lot for me in giving me instruction. And really, Proverbs speaks very real to life, right? And it speaks very real to my life. And I don't, I want to be authentic because I want to make a difference in people's life. I want to connect them to the heart of the Father. And if I'm not authentic, that will never happen. And, and I cannot facilitate what God is wanting to do through me to bring freedom to other lives.
0: If you were to sit down with your 15-year-old, 15-year-old self, what would you say okay. to her right now?
1: Oh gosh, you know, you sent me that question and I have been reeling over that because I am not ashamed of what I've had to walk through. It's made me who I am today. But I wrote down and I think I would, I would tell her that she has value, that she has purpose, and that no matter what she's going to walk through, that God has never left her or forsaken her. I would tell her to put the verse of Isaiah 41, 9 through 10 to memorize that and keep that in her heart because it says in that verse that he will never leave me or forsake me, that he has called me and that he has me in his righteous right hand. It doesn't say if you do this or this or this. It doesn't say if you're perfect. It says, I got you. No matter what, I got you. And so that's that's probably what I would tell her because Knowing me, I would have still walked, (laughs) no matter what I said, through the things that I walked through. But, you know, God works everything for the good of those who love Him. He has used everything that I have walked through for His glory and for His story. Not my own.
0: Natalie, thank you so much for being transparent and vulnerable. We appreciate it so much. My pleasure. Um, What would you say something that you're incredibly passionate about right now?
1: Right now is just connecting. I'm really involved with single moms and those who have walked through addiction or are in the midst of it right now. So right now it's really connecting them with the heart of the father and having them see themselves as children of God. And so that is through meeting with people and discipling and loving on people. My heart is just to show the broken love, what God has called us, you know. He... He said to love the Lord your God with all your with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself and I think we've complicated that a lot with rules and 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 just stuff instead of just being the hands and the feet of the father in love loving people and that's what I'm really passionate about is loving them
0: as ladies are listening and maybe they're walking through a similar story or, I don't know, maybe they're struggling with addiction, is there any way our listeners can connect with you, maybe on social?
1: You can find me on Facebook and message me through there, which is, you know, facebook.com slash Natalie M. Schultz. And I think you're putting it in the information. You can also reach me through Life Bible Church. I'm on staff here, so if you go to our website, you can search for me on there and call me anytime. I am an open book and have an open door, and I would love to meet and hear your story, and in any way I can encourage and edify and love on you, it would be my honor.
0: Girls, didn't you just love Natalie? The verse that she encouraged with us today was Isaiah 41, 9 through 10. I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, you are my servant, for I have chosen you and will not throw you away. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Friend, if you are having a hard time, if you feel like your story doesn't matter, if you feel like God's not going to show up or He's thrown you away, He has not. He loves you and He is there for you. And I hope that brings you hope and encouragement today. Hey, friend, if you're enjoying the podcast, then the best way to let us know that is by taking a moment to give us a review. By giving us a review, it allows us to keep bringing you more content each week. Also, if you love this week's podcast, take a screenshot of it and post it on Instagram and tag us, bringing her hope. We always love to know who's listening. We can't wait to share another story of God's redemption next time. But until then, lovelies, keep living brave stories for Jesus.